Hey, I'm Pastor Blake Davis, and we want to welcome you to the Firm Foundation Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you've chosen to join us today, and our desire is that you are encouraged and challenged through each and every message that we bring. And so we hope that you enjoy the word today. I know throughout all of that, through the week, um, it was kind of difficult to stay on task with this, but um, I'm pretty confident that um, it's a very good word and it's something that somebody needs to hear. So um, it's a really good message. I didn't write it, um, but I believe in it. Um, and we're going to get started. So. Um, to kind of review where we've been, we've been through seven weeks already in this 10-week sermon, so we're on week eight right now. And um, the pride test was first week, and that's how do, you, how do you respond to the dream? And in the pit test, how do you respond when Satan and others attack you? And then we have the palace test, how do you respond in stewardship, purity test, how do you respond in the test of moral purity? And in the prison test, how do you respond when you suffer wrongfully? The prophetic test, how do you respond to God's word? And then the power test, from where, to whom, and why does power come? This week we are going to be focusing on the prosperity test and how to pass the prosperity test. So Joseph had to pass this test. Um, This is a test that we're all going to have to pass. This is a test that I'm going to have to pass. Everybody has to pass this test to fulfill the destiny that God has in our lives. We will all take this test or have taken this test at some point in our life. Um, And most of us have probably failed at some point. I know I have. Uh, Anytime you get any money, how you handle that money will determine if you pass this test or not. Um, just, just a heads up, you know, I was like born with bad credit, right? Um, I grew up in a really um, pretty, po- pretty poor house, right? And so we didn't have money when I was growing up as a kid, and my parents... They really never had money, and they never taught me how to handle money. So when I became a grown-up, which I'm still working on that, by the way, but um, I failed miserably. But uh, this is a test we, we take constantly. So I'm going to point out three things, or three ways, that we can pass the prosperity test. Um. We're going to start in Genesis uh, 41, and it's 25 through 36. And uh, uh, then Joseph said to the Pharaoh, the dreams of the Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. Both dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. 
Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice, because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt, and in the seven plentiful years, and let them gather all the food in those good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh. Let them keep food in the cities. Then the food shall be reserved for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. Lord, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for thank you for all the wisdom that you provide to us in this word, Lord. I just ask that... Uh, I ask that uh, everyone receive it, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. So, the first point I want to talk about is putting God first. This message, we are going to talk about tithing, but it is not about tithing. It's about putting God first. The first portion belongs to God. I don't know why God decided on 10%. He probably decided on 10%, so it's equal for everybody. If you make $40, it's 10%. 40 grand, 10%. 400 grand, 10%. Everybody's giving the same. It's all through Scripture that the first portion belongs to God, and it should be returned to Him. We show how grateful we are and how thankful we are by what we do with that first portion. So let's think about this. Have we ever prayed for extra money in times of need? Have we then received it, and then we didn't tithe on it? So here's a simple question. Why would God give you any any more extra money? Um, If you're not even going to thank him for it, by giving him his first portion. Um, he gives us a blessing and we don't even thank him um, for the blessing that he just gave us. So Abraham tied 10% 500 years before it became into law. Jacob, Joseph's father, tithed 400 years before the law. Did Joseph do this? Um, he had some different circumstances. He was a slave, and he was imprisoned. But let's look at two ways that Joseph acknowledged God. So in Genesis 41, 50 and 52, And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. For God made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Um, 
Forget and fruitful are the two words that those two names represent where they came from in the in the um, Hebrew language. Joseph called his sons by these names to honor God and what he has done in his life. God enabled him to forget or overcome all the toil and disgrace and affliction that he'd been through and had made him fruitful in the very land which he had been suffering in. So when we go back to the original scripture that I read, um, Joseph was interpreting the dreams. And so we had seven good cows. Then we had seven skinny, ugly cows come and eat the seven fat cows. And then we had the seven heads of wheat being eaten by the seven blighted heads of wheat. And it's pretty clear, you know, when you read it, and it it even says it, um, Joseph, it was the same message, right? And God God sent it to the Pharaoh twice as a, like, an exclamation point. It's like, hey, I'm talking to you, right? Um, I just find it, like, super fascinating that God can take this person that was in prison and use him to be the be the the mouthpiece or the talking point of God to uh, get the Pharaoh's attention. So when when we move further into the scripture, look at where Joseph's tithe comes in. In Genesis forty seven twenty six, and Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth, except for the land of the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh's. So Pharaoh was the the lord of all of Egypt, right? He He was the overseer. He had everything, right? Except he didn't have that land, because that land belonged to God. And Joseph made sure of it. Um. So when we talk about putting God first, it's throughout Scripture, all the way back to Cain and Abel, 2,500 years before the law. Abel gives, his, gives the firstborn of his flock, and Cain does not give the first fruits. God does not accept Cain's offering, but he does accept Abel's. The first always belongs to God. When the Israelites went into the promised land, God said, give me all of the silver and gold in Jericho. Why did he say that? God could have had all the silver and gold. He could have told them, give it all. But Jericho was the first city. The first always belongs to God. When it was, uh, the gold and silver in Jericho, it was consecrated, it was set aside to the Lord. And then somebody took some of it And God said that now that is cursed. So if you give it to God, if you give your first to God, it is blessed. What happens if you don't give it to God? 
Is it cursed? Malachi 6.10. And I, I actually, I love this piece of scripture because it is like, it's kind of like God flexing a little bit. It's like, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, said the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Um, he's asking them to test him in it. So, one of the things I was thinking about is when we we hear a lot of testimonies and stuff like that, and I've heard a lot of testimonies from faithful tithers, from people that faithfully give 10%. And in a nutshell, what I hear is we are so blessed by the Lord. And then when I hear testimony from non-tithers, I hear I can't afford to tithe. So what does that tell you? I believe non-tithers are cursed, but God did not curse them. We live in a cursed and fallen world. But God wants to redeem us and redeem our finances out from under the curse. But he set up a test to see if we would put him first in our life or not. He wants to see if he comes first, or in my case, does Sportsman's Warehouse come first? Or Hobby Lobby. Um, I got that... That at-home store, my wife is a pretty big fan of that. Like, we recently moved, and I'm, there was a lot of expenses coming from that at-home store. So I know that one's dangerous, okay? Or or um, or is it a Cadillac instead of a Chevy, this or that? What What is it? What are we putting first? He doesn't care about how much stuff you have. He cares about how much stuff has you. Um, so I'm going to kind of go off script here a little bit. Sharon tells me I should never do that because I start to ramble. But it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I like really shiny things. Okay? I'm just going to put it out there. Like, I said, you know, I grew up pretty poor. I didn't have a lot of stuff when I was growing up as a kid. I had some things, and I held on to those things as tight as I possibly could, like so tightly that I was extremely selfish. And I grew up selfish, like even as an adult, you know, but I always wanted things because I didn't have things. Like I see everybody in their shiny pickup trucks, man, and I'm about ready for that 2007 to be gone because <laughs> I see all those shiny pickup trucks and that I just want. I just want it. I still, to this day, it's something that I have to control about myself. Um, but Jesus doesn't care about all that stuff. He cares about our heart. He cares about where our heart's at in that stuff or with him. Um, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. 
God wants us to see what we will do with the first of our treasure. God is saying, if you put me first, everything else is going to line up. But if you don't put God first, nothing's going to line up. You're not going to be able to make it line up. So again, it's a heart thing. It's not a money thing. I'm, and I'm not, I'm, we're not talking about tithing. I'm not talking about this because the church needs money. Um, firm Foundation, now Pawpaw, used to be Kalamazoo. What, it's been self-sufficient since day one. Um, if God didn't want this church to succeed, he had, there was a ton of opportunities to make it fail. <laughs> I mean, let me tell you, like, um, yeah, there was several opportunities over the years that he could have used to say, okay, no longer. But I, I believe that, uh, there is a blessing on this church from God. And that's the only way that it stayed open. Um, we don't, I mean, we don't even pass the plate around here. We've got, a, we've got baskets in the back, you know. Um, we're not concerned about it. I'm only talking about this because some of us are not living under the blessing of God. It's as clear in Scripture as anything else in the Bible. It was before the law. It is in the law. And it is after the law. And Jesus himself said that you should do it. So I remember the first time Sharon and I had a conversation about tithing. Um, I was very early in my journey. I was, it was about six months after I had, we had started going to firm. And we were still in the movie theater in downtown Kalamazoo. Um, Brian Sneed had... Um, preached a message about tithing and about the blessing that he had had in his life from it. And it just, it hit me. It's like, we need to start tithing, you know? And so Sharon and I had this conversation and she knows me. She knows I like the shiny things. and how I'm kind of selfish, you know, and I'm overcoming that over the years, right? I used to, when I first got, well, when we first had Preston, I wouldn't let him eat off my plate. That's how selfish I was. Like, now I got little girl. like, half my food doesn't even go in my mouth because my little girls always want it. Um, but uh, we, uh, I, I brought it up to her, and she kind of looked at me funny. She must have thought I, like, hit my head on something. I don't know. I wasn't talking right. But, um, Yeah. So she knew me, right? And so she knew that I brought that up and I was talking about that, that it was not the, the, the first me talking. It was the convicted me yeah. talking. Um, I think if you just don't, going back to how I grew up, if, if you don't grow up with stuff, you, you kind of tend you have a tendency to be selfish with it. You have a tendency to hold on to it and have it be mine, 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 and no one else's. But uh, back on script. <laughs> Proverbs 10.22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. If you tithe, you're not 
going to miss it. Because as soon as we started tithing, I we didn't miss it at all. Um, God is so generous and he's such a provider that if you give him his, he will bless you. So, second point. Learn to wait. Um, Proverbs 28. Oh, this is a hard one too. Learning to wait. Um, Proverbs 28.20. A faithful man will abound with blessing, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. God designed us to hope. He designed us to, to want things, to want stuff. Um, but it's kind of like delayed gratification. Um, how can you be grateful for something if you didn't have to wait for it? So um, here's another quick point that I had to, that I, we had to learn real quickly is uh, you kind of have to know how to do math. <laughs> or you need to meet someone who knows how to do math. Thank you, Lord, for giving me my wife, Sharon, <laughs> with and her mighty math skills. <laughs> so, um, so something I want to talk about is there's, there's seven reasons that we need to have a budget. We need to keep our finances in order. And so the seven reasons, I'm going to kind of go through them a, kind of quickly. Um, point one, it helps us see things more clearly and objectively if we put it on paper. It makes us examine and clarify our values and priorities, like putting God first. It provides a basis of discussion and agreement. Um, there's been points in mine and Sharon's marriage to where she was running the budget. And we weren't having those conversations. And then... If I wanted something, I'd just go buy it. And it's like, hey, that's not in the budget, big guy, you know? Um, so you need to be in agreement. This is something that we do on a regular basis now. We, I mean, it's to the point to where sometimes it gets put on our work calendar so her and I can have some time to sit down and go over the budget. Um, it provides a basis for accountability, between one another? Do you need 34 pairs of shoes, Sharon? I mean, obviously she's going to say yes. She needs all 34. I didn't even count. I don't know how many there are, but there's a lot. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Sharon. I love you. Um, it helps us live within our means. Um, it helps us live without debt or without much debt. That is biblical right there. And it builds character and discipline in our lives. It is super easy to have a conversation with your spouse about financial decisions when you can make the budget the bad guy. And you don't have to be the bad guy. But you have to be able to do it together in order to make that happen. You could eliminate 90% of the stress in your life if you can get your budget under control. Uh, Proverbs 
21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Again, we have to learn to wait. And then in Luke 14, 28 through 30, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. And then the last point I want to talk about is point three, live below your means. Now, God, uh, 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And we have food and clothing with all these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And here's one I really, really like. Mark 4, 18 through 19. Now these are the ones sown amongst thorns. They are, one, they are the ones that hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. They promise you the happiness, but Jesus is the only one that can give you joy. Riches promise what they cannot give you. They promise security. They promise identity. They promise popularity. It goes on and on. They promise all these things. Money promises all of this to you. Make more money, be happier, right? No. Money promises all of this to you, but God is the only one that can give it to you. You can come to church and you can hear the word, but if you put money first, it will choke the word out of you and you're not going to be able to get anything out of it. You will not fulfill your destiny, fulfill the destiny that God has for you if you can't handle money. We have... I... Before I knew we were gonna, I was going to preach on this, Pastor Blake gave me like three of them that I could pick from for the Dreams to Destiny series. And I went and I, I listened to Robert Morris and all, on all three of them. And this is the one that hit home the hardest for me. And there was a couple of reasons. One, this is something I've struggled with my whole life. 
until about seven or eight years ago when the Lord took over. We gave up our finances to him and he took them over and we've been blessed ever since. And two, I think it's good for the congregation to not have to hear this from Pastor Blake all the time too. Um, So maybe if it's coming from me instead, maybe it'll make his life a little easier. I don't know. Um, so yeah, in, in, in closing here, um, we've been through eight tests now and chances are that everybody struggles with at least one of the eight. Um, this is one that I have struggled with in the past and, uh, I don't anymore because I gave it to God. Um, so again, you will not fulfill the destiny God has in your life unless you pass this test. And you have to be able to handle money in order to do it. That's all I really have. Thank you, Mike. What a great word. What a challenging word. Whether it's been something that you've been doing for years or if that's something that you've been struggling to do, it's, it's challenging. We want to give it all to the Lord. Man, would you just stand to your feet with us this morning? As you're standing to your feet, you know, what we've been talking about throughout this series is that there's some character-building tests that you and I are going to encounter all throughout life. Uh, whether it's before you step into your destiny or even after you've stepped into your destiny. And these character-building tests come because the Lord is saying, listen, I have a better way of living for you if you will sharpen your character, if you will grow your character, if you will let go of the things that you think bring you happiness and joy. But if you will just surrender them to me, watch what I will give you in return. And so I want to encourage us as a church Surrender it to him. You know, we're talking a little bit about money uh, and prosperity this morning. My parents taught me how to tithe as a teenager. So when I had my own landscaping business, they forced me to tithe. But I'm so thankful that because I learned this principle at 13 years old. And ever since then, I've been giving at least 10%. I say at least 10% because my goal one day is to give 20%. That's a, that's a personal goal. I'm not projecting that on you, all right? I'm just saying that's a personal goal for me, and I think we're around the 13% right now as a family, and that's my heart's desire because I'm recognizing that it's not mine anyways, and if I give it to the Lord, He can do something even better with it. And so I just want to challenge us all to, to surrender that, to walk in obedience of that, because we do, as a church, as a leadership team, want you to live a blessed life. Uh, not a life that is, is struggling, but a life that's blessed. And this isn't a, all about a prosperity gospel either, uh, but it's just a, about living a life that's surrendered and following and trusting God with every area of our lives. So Mike, thank you so much for this word. And I just want to pray over us this morning. So if you feel comfortable just lifting your hands to the Lord, just to receive from him, taking on this posture of receiving and surrender. And so, Father God, we come to you this morning, and we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we receive it into our hearts and our lives. Lord, we want to be good stewards of everything it is that you've given to us. So, Father, would you challenge us this morning? Lord, would you convict us this morning? Condemnation doesn't come from you. 
If we're feeling condemned right now in this moment, I pray right now in Jesus' name that that would wash off of every single person that's under the sound of my voice. Because that's not what your word does in our life. It does convict us. It does stir us. It does point us to a better way of living. And so, Father, if that's what you're doing in our hearts right now, Lord, we receive that and we say, we will turn. We will change. We will shift. We will follow you. We'll, we'll position our finances in a way so that they can bring honor and glory to your name. And Lord, because you're such a good dad, you're such a good father, you bless us in return. <laughs> You say, test me and watch what I will do in return. And so, Father, we surrender our lives to you. And, Lord, we ask that you would come and speak to us right now in this moment. Lord, we invite you to come and to minister to each and every person, Lord, with whatever needs that we're carrying in this place. We thank you, Lord, that you care for us. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak intimately to us right now? Right there where you're at, right there where you're standing, with your hearts raised towards heaven, with your hands raised, take just a moment and say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you're saying to me? Thank you for tuning in to the Firm Foundation Church Podcast. If what you heard was inspiring or transformative, tell us about it. We love your feedback. Join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. We are located at 61070 M40 in Pawpaw, Michigan. For more information on how you can get connected, check us out at firmfoundation.church.